Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host Chen and Zhao, and today I have the cameraman, videographer, and also I shall say, welcome back to the studio, Shane.、Yes. Shane Peters is here with me, and this used to be your studio, right? It was the studio I put together for the school. Yep. And then he's back, back here right now. I'm so excited. So, first question for you, Shane, is why do you love videography? Because you do a lot of camera work, a lot of productions. You set up this studio because、uh, for for like productions, right? Yeah. I mean, I I I jumped into video when I was、uh, working as a goalie coach. Goalie coach, right? Sports video, especially goaltending. Video is the ticket、uh-huh. because you need to see yourself. You need to see yourself making mistakes, and you need to see yourself doing good stuff in order to improve. And、mm-hmm. for me, it was the easiest way to get players to play better.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, it's not a it's not a simple grab your iPhone and shoot video.、Yeah. You, you learn that you learn very quickly that. The video has to be done right, or it's of less value. Right. So your video, so your coaching career preceded your video co- career, and then even so, you you were coaching. So what? When was the first time that you got in touch with like videoing? And um, I'm uh, late nineties. Late nineties. When it became possible to actually videotape games easily.、Uh-huh. Prior to that, it was.、Uh, Uh, a lot more difficult with much more expensive equipment. Right, and before that, you were just a goalkeeper coach. I was a goalkeeper and a coach, and, and a coach, and and I certainly wish I had video when I was playing because it was an it's a it's a great tool. Yeah, and I mean Shane to sort of point out right at the start, I already see it.、Uh, I mean. You're one of the, not only your our cameraman videographer, but you're also a great friend because we relate so much. And I want like point out like for me, my video in career or like my video producing career also started with <laughs> recording my va- my games, and it's like that instant connection that we have. So I'm curious about.、Uh, we can first start with your、uh, ice hockey career. So how did you first get into ice hockey, and how did you end up as a goalkeeper? Um. Being born in Canada, everybody plays ice hockey. <laughs>、yeah. um, it, it goes without saying.、Uh, I I didn't really start playing ice hockey till I was twelve. Really, and the weird yeah for me it's thirteen. So we got another <laughs> another connection right there. The the weirdest thing about it was everyone says, "Well, why why did you become a goaltender?" And I have to say. It was walking by the equipment room first time I went to skate. I saw the goalie equipment and said, "That is cool. I <laughs> want to play that position." Yeah. Luckily for me, it, it turned out to be something that I was pretty decent at.、Mm. So, how did your career sort of evolve after your first or first sight of love, in some sense?、Uh, you know, ice hockey is difficult because if you can't skate. Doesn't matter how good an athlete you are, you have to develop skating skills first. Yeah, and I went in at twelve with never being on skates before,、mm-hmm. and、uh, consequently, first couple years were a struggle.、Mm-hmm. And I kind of think back and amaze myself that I stuck with goaltending because it's a really difficult position. 
I mean, do you need skating skills with that position? Or oh, absolutely. I really? would actually say skating skills are more important for the goaltender than they are for... Really? Or as important as anybody else. Because Why? it's all about balance. Right. And, and the ability to go down and get up, staying balanced, is mm-hmm. far more difficult than skating forward or skating backwards. Yeah. And I totally agree with this. I mean, I can, I, I, I mean, I've never played ice hockey or or, or goalkeeper. I probably played once, but I would totally agree that go, uh, because if you can translate uh, skating as athleticism or like footwork on the soccer field, same things. People think goalies can't run or like they they maybe to a certain extent, but goalies are probably one of the most athletic players on the on the field because they have to get their balance right, their position right, and do all these you know crazy reactions, and then it, it requires a lot of athleticism. And so, how did you sort of stick with goaltending, and why did you sort of stick with goaltending? Like I said, the fir- my first attraction was the equipment, and then I think. My second attraction was that I was reasonably good at it. Mm. Um, right. I, it's, a, it's a funny position that when you, ta- when you take it up, the skills you need are so different than anybody else's skills on the team that once you start, you're sort of down that path. It's mm. unlike, unlike soccer football, mm. everybody can run. Yeah, and it is an easier transition to go from being a, a goaltender to a forward. Mm. It's not easy. It's, it's not, not easy, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's easier it's than easier ice than hockey, hockey because yes. the positions are so, so different. completely different. Right. Plus, you're you know you're you're far more restricted with equipment because it has a purpose to stop the puck rather than move the puck. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know. I just I I enjoyed it, and I was like I said, decent. Good I had idea. the advantage that I was large, yeah. being six three, and and, and being big from <laughs> intimidating being young. too. Yeah, it it was it was a, a a good position for me, and and I had success, and I would say that was like I'm trying to think back exactly. I think I went from house league to double A level in two years. Wow, that's not fast. because. I was any more athletic than anybody else, but I had just picked a position and I studied it hard enough, worked at it hard enough that I got to that level. Yeah. And one question that I have for you is, did you ever have any um, sort of forward aspirations or, 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 or like just playing it in another position or just, or it's just that the difficulty sort of just stopped you because, you know, goalies, that's the thing about goalies. You, 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 yes, there's like a lot come to you, but like once everyone's in the game, everyone's in groove, it's like the team is all celebrating up there and you're just sort of in your own zone at the back, you know? Yeah. It's a totally different position. Like, yeah. I mean, I, suspect it's kind of like pitchers in baseball that their position is so different yeah that they focus on being good at that one thing um no i'd never ever try tried skating out on a team I, of course playing on the lakes and stuff you don't wear goalie equipment so everybody's yeah. a forward yeah um <laughs> until i got hurt when i was in my 30s 
Oh, really? And then after that, I started messing around with, with playing forward. When, when I played in Japan, I didn't play as a goalie. I played as a forward. You played in Japan? Yeah. So, so with ice hockey, did you have a professional career? Or what was the career like and, and sort of you getting good at it at 12? The star, what, what's your story? What's your story? With ice hockey, I you know I played junior out in in Alberta in what they called in the seventies the Jungle B, yeah, which was Junior B. It wasn't the top level junior hockey. And then I played a little bit in college, mm-hmm. and uh, then after I stopped playing in college, I came back to it when I was in my late twenties when we were living in Oregon and mm-hmm. then played on a couple of semi pro West coast leagues mm-hmm. and then ended up in Japan and ended up being a player coach for a team in Southern Japan mm-hmm. where I didn't play goal. Cause I had blown my knee out the season yeah, yeah. before and right. recovering a knee as a goalie is a lot more difficult than it was as a forward Right, because I could kind of skate at at three quarter speed without worrying about getting hurt. Yeah. Whereas a goaltender, your recovery is hard because you can't not try and stop yeah. the puck. Yeah. So and that's tough. So how did you embrace the goalkeeper identity in some sense? That embrace that you are sort of like the odd man out in some sense that it's like you know you talk about pitcher in 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 baseball or just goalkeepers in general because i mean i'm a goalkeeper myself i can really relate to that it it is a very unique and different positions and i would say even require more skills than than field players in some sense that you have to be good at everything yeah like especially for soccer i feel like you know nowadays modern goalkeepers you have to be good with your feet go with both feet as well as good with both hands. And as well totally as you have to be like the game. Yeah, and totally That's understand the game. That's the most important thing. Like and communicate it. You have right. to be able to communicate it. You have to be a leader. You have to also be you know, it's just like so many things can go and if you look for a striker, you just oh, can you put the goal in the back of that? You can. Okay, that's it. We want him. Like, but for goalkeepers, there's so much. You, you need to stop a ball. You need to save those balls. But you also have to be able to come out for crosses. You have to do this, do that, do that. You know, it's just so much to it. How did you embrace that identity? I would say it was success. <laughs> when you had, even if, even if every mistake you make goes up on the scoreboard. Right. That one stop that saves the game. Right. Has you coming back. Yeah. And that's the best feeling. That's the best feeling, but it's also you have to be able to mentally get over the every mistake ends up on the scoreboard Mm -hmm. because that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot more pressure than most field players feel because if they make a mistake, well, they just get it right the next time. Mm -hmm. Whereas a goaltender, you make a mistake and it's on the board. Yeah, exactly. And that's the toughest part I would say about goalkeeping is, is is you aren't able to make mistakes. And that's why they teach you, or at least the coaches that I had, and I, I thank them greatly for this, teaching the goldfish mentality. <laughs> when it's done, it's done. Yeah. Don't look back. Just look to the next save. Yeah. And it's easy to say that, but 
it's a really tough concept for some individuals to get. And if you can't do that, you'll never be a happy goaltender. <laughs> yeah, because you, you make a mistake and then it's, it's, it's there. But then you can't do anything about it. You can't go back, reverse in time and, and say, oh, uh, let me change the scoreboard or change what happened. What has happened has happened, and you can't do anything about it. Right. The only thing you can do is to move forward and look forward. And the dozens and dozens and dozens of broken sticks that I've broken over the net as a kid tell me I wasn't always that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like enraged from conceding right. the goal. And it usually gets to the point where your parents go, yeah, you know, I'm not buying you a new stick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what happened? Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty common. Like in youth hockey, the goalies breaking sticks. <laughs> Tougher now because wooden sticks didn't cost a couple hundred bucks. They were like $25 down at the Canadian Tire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean th- that's I think that 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 speaks a lot about goalkeeping. And and then it's and then the thing about conceding a goal is that it's it's not just one player like it's not just one keeper's fault. The ball like in soccer there's a saying the ball has to come through 10 players before reaching the goalkeeper. So like the ball beat 10 players, 10 of your players, none of them is talked and then you concede a maybe a bad goal and then it's all on you. Cuz 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 yeah, everyone needs a scapegoat and then obviously goalkeeper is a person that has a scapegoat. So speaking of which, what are your ways of dealing with mental challenges and dealing with um um you know, pressure from either your teammates or also just mistakes? Uh one of the one of the luckiest things about being a Canadian playing ice hockey is the level of coaching you get at the youth level. Yeah. I mean, I cannot think of a year I didn't have a professional player as a coach as I was growing up. And consequently, you know, they're full of wisdom and they're the number of times that I've heard that, well, they had to get through five people before they got to you. It's innumerable. But then again, Shannon, it never meant anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. You can be told that all you want, but yeah, in your but brain, you, you're, you're still, still you're going. Still <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just experience. And I also think it is part of a certain personality that can do that. Oh, yeah. Because, and as I said, if you can't do that, if you can't be a goldfish in the moment, then you'll never be a happy goaltender. And if you're not happy, you're never really going to be accomplished. And that's why some, some a lot of people say that goalkeepers are crazy. Yeah, and, and uh, we are. I, I mean, I don't say crazy. I say yeah, we're weird. Just, just different. We have different ways of doing everything. And it's... It's all about, uh, I believe it's all about setting up a process, a process of the way you focus to get through a game and to be successful. And that focus is different for everyone. The process to get that focus is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mine was uh, not terribly healthy uh, (laughs) because I just would stress, stress, stress before a game. Really? 
but you learn how to once the game starts then you relax yeah and if you don't and for me if i didn't relax i didn't play well yeah and i could kind of tell in the first five minutes of a game whether i was relaxed or not yeah definitely because Ice hockey's a little bit different than soccer in that the puck is so small and the puck moves so much faster that you kind of have to feel yeah. the play yeah. to make the save. And some days you really feel it and some days you, you don't. don't. Yeah. And luckily, as I said, I've always had professionals in the coaching staff mm-hmm. and they were they, you know, they very soon are very accepting of a goaltender who says yeah i don't have it today and i've always had been part of a tandem or a trio that could roll through that right because i you know on successful teams it was like days i wasn't on my backup was yeah and it was really important to sort of realize that yourself so that your backup gets the chance and they did the same thing right and Coming back to your point about speaking how goalkeepers act different, how goalkeepers are different in some sense, what do you think really differentiates a goalkeeper than than uh, than everyone else? Like, wh- why do you think, and and what makes us weird? Like I said, it's it's different for everyone. Everybody's process is different. I've played with what, what, what would you what do you think is weird about you in some sense? Well, weird about me was I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to do anything prior to the game other than have a nap, go to the rink, get dressed, don't talk to anybody, get out on the ice, warm up. And then I would I that the next step for me was do I have it today or don't I? Mm. And then playing is not thinking. You know, like that's, I learned early on that if I'm thinking too much about the game, I don't make the saves. Mm. I mean, you're kind of reading the play, but it just has to happen. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with that. I mean, playing, playing without thinking is, is, is definitely, uh, is, is definitely, um, I've heard so much about it. It's one is the flow state, which is your absolute focus, and you sort of let the flow take over of of the game. And the second thing about that that inner locked in state is that you do what is natural at the moment. And you you for example, you feel a pass, you do the pass. You feel a you feel a you you you, you it, top professionals they don't think because their game awareness mm-hmm. is so high and they just let their instincts take over like that's why instincts are stressed so much especially for goalkeepers i would say when i was when i was very young mm-hmm. i went to a hockey school and one of the goalie coaches was ken dryden i don't know if you know who ken dryden is but he's mm-hmm. hall of a hall, hall of fame goaltender played at cornell wow he said in one of the goalie sessions that 90% of goaltending is guessing. Uh-huh. Guessing where the puck's going because the whole idea that your reflexes are faster than a 95-mile-an-hour puck is physically impossible. Mm-hmm. So, and at the time, I, yeah, I didn't really like Ken Dryden, so it was like, yeah, 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 yeah whatever. But later, later on, every year I think back to that and it's like, he was absolutely right. You need to know the play, know what your players are going to do, and know that the only option for the shot is here, and you're already moving to it. Yeah. 
and that's and I totally agree with that I I, I do this sort of the same thing in, in soccer goalkeeping too. It's that when you see the, the the striker have a movement, you can already sort of see where the shot is going, and then your body naturally just already has to already go there, especially for close range. For long distance, you can you know you know take more time and sort of like be more relaxed, but for close range, you. And, and especially for hockey, I would assume the puck is so fast that you have no time to think, no time to react, that you just have to sort of anticipate. Mm-hmm. And anticipation is, is, is so important. How did you develop your anticipation skills, you would say? I, I, you know, I, don't, I, I mean, practice-wise, you just take shots after shots after shots after shots, and, yeah. and it starts to become really, most moves become natural. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to think, okay, I got to move my foot, and then I got to put my knee down. It's just you do it. Yeah. But in a game situation, mm-hmm. it's that flow focus. Mm-hmm. If you've got that, you're you're reacting to things without even thinking about it. And unlike soccer, if you guess wrong, you often look really silly. <laughs> but in ice hockey, if you guess wrong, it's like minute difference so and uh in ice hockey you get a lot of opportunities whereas in soccer you you, you don't get one, i mean yeah. the, we uh, an ice hockey goaltender will probably see more sh- like shots in a game than a lot of soccer goalies see in two weeks of action right i mean i remember uh getting pulling the saves tape out for uh uh Constantine and it was like the whole season was like 25 saves and I'm thinking hmm that's like maybe half a game for a goal <laughs> half a game well a game to have a game depends on how good your team is right yeah. like you know watching watching the NHL now there's like 50 shots in a game huh. you know in the playoffs and 50 shots are Pucks that are going to go in the net if you don't stop them. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's that's that number is usually like five <laughs> for <laughs> soccer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's that's the thing is uh, is 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 that one for especially for soccer. Then it takes a lot a lot of focus that you can't let that. And then for ice hockey too, you can't you can't lose your focus at all. You can't snooze in the game. You snooze in the game, boom, the ball goes in. You know, and once then, the oh, yeah, once you get to time. once you get to about fifteen year olds playing, mm-hmm. somebody can score on you from the other end if you're snoozing. Yeah. Like players can shoot the puck that hard now. Yeah. That if you're like thinking about something else, it just goes right by you. Yeah. And what is your way to maintain focus throughout the match? Never take your eye off the puck, ever. Even if it's a face-off, you're watching the puck in the referee's hand, he drops it, and even if it's at the other end of the ice, you need to be looking at that puck all the time. Not necessarily because there's going to be a shot that you'll have to stop, but that's the way you keep your mind focused on the game. Mm -hmm. That is very right. I mean... And that, way easier said than it is done. Wait, that's what I was, was going to say. Way easier said than done. Yeah, and that's the thing for, for soccer, I feel like, too. And another thing that I've, I found really helping me is talking. 
yelling out plays, Absolutely. calling plays. That's, that's, that's true focused. for ice hockey. Goalies have to be really careful, though, because you have to keep your emotions such that if a player does something wrong, you don't actually correct them. Because players play much better in front of you when you compliment them when they do something right mm-hmm. than criticize them when they do something wrong. Yeah, that is so true. That is actually very true. I think that that not only goes with just ice hockey, it goes with every sport. Compliments do go uh, a long way, especially like in a game. I mean, unless it's like a like a tactical mistake that you can fix. If it's like a blunder, like, okay, sorry, if I use the word blunder, I don't know if that's the right word, that's a chess term, but if, if you make a, make a simple mistake that, you know, it's, it's, you, it's, everyone makes mistakes. Like, it's probably just one of those things. Screaming at them doesn't help. Right, and young goaltenders often fall into the trap of looking for an excuse for why a goal went in. <laughs> and trying to find it within the teammates. That's not and good. And that is not good. That does not work. All that does is make teammates not want to block a shot for you. Right. <laughs> That's the first thing. And the second thing is you miss out the learning opportunity. Right. Because the point about, and that's what that mindset really came to me. I don't know, like. I think I've always had that mindset, and I think that's one of the things. Like, I I don't know. Maybe that's that's. Uh, I haven't. I really was. I can recall periods of time where I was just too. Yeah. yeah okay. Honest fine. and ha- abusive I've, to teammates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've I've probably had this more recently, definitely. But before, you know, I hate conceding goals. I hate losing. I hate absolutely dreaded it. So whenever a goal goes in, I'm I'm like. Bro, no, and then just go off my teammates sometimes, and, right? And um, that's not good, obviously. And the second thing is like, w- one thing I realize is that I should shift my mindset and just t- turn it into positive things. Think about what could I have done better instead to save it the next time it comes around, and that's an, that's an instant learning opportunity, right? And that's where the video comes back into it, right? There because, we like I said, you need to have a goldfish brain. When the goal's in, it's over. And literally, you maybe won't remember what exactly happened. But when you go back and look at the video, you can see, hey, if I had been tighter to the post, if I had butterflied rather than done the splits, then maybe it would have worked better. Right. And <sighs> before video, that wasn't possible, especially for youth hockey youth athletes in general, not having video was. That speaks a lot to, to the benefits of videos nowadays. Videos are so powerful. Film is so powerful. You can not only access your own game, but you can analyze professional games countless. You can mm-hmm. analyze your training sessions. You can analyze everything online. YouTube is such a great resource where you can not only just, you know, analyze, you can also hear people talk about things like they would, point out the analysis for you and then it's it's constant learning the video is does provide that and for young athletes video is valuable because it lets you learn how to take criticism right like as young athletes i mean how many times has a coach said you did something (laughs) and you go no i didn't but then you look at the video and you see that you did do that yeah and then you go it, it your coachability evolves yeah exactly and coachability is is definitely very important i mean you you did end up as a coach so 
what what was that coaching experience like and what were your biggest takeaways um the biggest takeaway i can remember from evolving as a goalie coach is as you said what could you have done to stop, stop the shot. that shot mm-hmm. rather than saying well you did this and it was not the way to stop the shot say what could you have done mm. and then with video it's actually nice because you can turn around and say see you did you are able to do this because here's a save that you made with the skills that you could have applied in this situation and the point about what could you have done is like the, the way you phrase it is is so important because if you if you start berating someone or not only that would start lecturing them uh for young athletes especially they shut off they, they don't like to be wrong but if you if if it's a what could you have done it gets them thinking and then they they would channel their growth mindset yeah it's pretty common working as a video coach with a head coach a lot of coaches want to use video to show only mistakes mm. and that's a very poor way to use video. Mm. I mean, you can show mistakes, but you also want to look at good things. Good things that the team do is again. doing, the player is doing. And that makes the player that much more coachable as well. And the coach more influential because eventually players get tired of seeing things they do wrong. And, and they just turn off. And not only that, showing good things is important too because sometimes people might not even realize that they're doing a good thing. It could be like a subconscious thing and pointing that out can encourage that behavior to happen mm-hmm. again. So so finding that balance is so important. Anyways, coming back to um, sort of videoing, how did you end up from coaching and video for, for casually until like just doing straight on? That's like your entire business. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of the easiest way to sort of <laughs> put that. You can talk for hours about this uh, transition, yeah. Video for me mm-hmm. and the technology involved was very much like walking by the, 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 the equipment locker and saying, I want to be a goalie because that's cool equipment. <laughs> Video in a way is kind of like that too. Not so much using it, but using the most advanced equipment as possible right and that's sort of you know that that evolved into this podcasting studio because for a lot of individuals yeah what's the point you know like they could use their computer and a really inexpensive mic but the difference between a podcast done on a proper podcast in a proper podcasting studio yeah and one done with a microphone plugged into your computer yeah. is day and night. It is day and night indeed. And the quality of these podcasts are insane. And it sounds professional. And it's not totally inexpensive, but it's not really cost costly to put together a studio. I mean, I can remember what studios used to cost, and there's yeah. no way that a small school could afford to have the kind of technological equipment that this school has now Mm -hmm. with a pretty moderate outlay of money for the equipment right and it makes a difference for the students because i i think the people who are really 
interested in doing this want it to sound professional. Mm-hmm. So it's it was it was nice to put it together. Um, it was a blast working with the small video studio because mm-hmm. some of the things the students would come up with were just off the wall, but. <laughs> fun to do mm-hmm. and i think it was valuable for the students too so how long have you were you working at nmh for uh um the first year i worked for nmh was as an assistant ice hockey coach in 1999 mm-hmm. and i've been working on and off for the school since then um wow i worked in the original media department on this campus mm-hmm. And then I worked in the library um, circulation desk and then just general library staff, worked for IT for a while, then went back to library staff. And so off and on for 23 years mm-hmm. and then always in summer session. Summer session is, is a really enjoyable time to be working at the school because yeah. it's, it's summer it's less stressful because mm-hmm. the students are working hard, but yeah. there isn't the whole grade thing hanging over their head yeah. that is during the regular year. Yeah. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about with the, with graduation coming up. Yeah. I know. Um, A lot of film, yeah. And so to, t- to think about, first of all, I, would, I want to say thank you for this podcasting studio. It has been absolutely amazing. I mean, I've probably spent... Um, more hours here than than in uh in what but i've spent so much so many hours here like it's insane like i mean i have a hundred episodes and most of them are done here and 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 probably more episodes with constantine and if you include unreleased episodes and the time that we went over time so 200 hours 300 hours so it's it's been it's been such an uh, like thank you for the for the studio i mean and it's going to be useful it's going Being to be comfortable it's in a podcasting studio is going to be essential for yeah 90% of your work beyond high school right and 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 my vision i i think this this not only can go as a podcasting studio it can also evolve into like a mini studio just in general like a, there's a podcasting space oh you can get a video space here yeah i mean we have the green screen over there but maybe we can expand the space a little bit and that's 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 one thing i envision is one one day when i do get successful or something uh, i would definitely come back and invest in the studio because this studio has helped me a lot i, I would really want to say like has you're, revolutionized me in some sense you're heading to ucla right usc oh usc usc Still, you're gonna be gob smacked when you see the gear they've got there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. USC, just just for oh, general yeah. student use, of course. I mean, even UMass has wonderful studio, of course, facilities. Yeah, USC obviously Annenberg, the Com School is is one of the best. So, like that's one thing I'm really excited about is the is the equipments and and everything. But coming back to to sort of video videoing, I mean. What, why, why videoing and, and why did you sort of um, pick, pick like that, that sort of became a big part. It, you could have ended up in a lot of spaces, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's the insert into my history. Remember I said I played a little bit of college and then took right. many years off. 
in college, my focus switched from ice hockey to being a musician. Musician? So really? there were you had, many you never years told me there about that. That me, where the focus aspect? was playing in a band, being a musician, right. learning how to record in the studio, learning. So that's kind of what evolved into the video was knowing the technology of the recording industry. What 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 music or what instrument did you play or were you? Uh, I was a bass player and we were a punk bass. band, so it was the really? 70s, yeah. <laughs> That's so So cool. not really concerned about uh being great on your instrument, more concerned about being visually shocking, shall I say? And yeah. uh, and then that evolved into videos with bands, like working yeah. video sets and understanding how the roles of the grip and and uh, the gaffers and learning all the aspects of video production from the crew side, not the director's side, mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, that kind of is why I was so uh, enthused with putting together studios, putting together a little video studio, putting together a little podcasting studio, because mm-hmm. it's. Until you've worked the tech end of those jobs, right? You maybe don't quite appreciate what goes into producing a video. Yeah, you know, like how the lights set up, how how the cameras get set up, how the audio gets recorded for the video, all all that stuff. It's complicated, and I have never seen it in many books how to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's partially so sort of why I was attracted to this. Is is the learning aspect to it? That's something brand new, and and like maybe connecting to to well, um, your ice hockey career. It is about seeing that brand new equipment, and you just love brand new equipments and everything about it. And I mean, doesn't ever get boring to just record games like long games and just record long. You know, say graduation, just just standing there. And um, it might be, except I have uh, a tendency to always do something better. I mean, it, with your multiple seasons at soccer, our soccer, your soccer broadcasts got better and better and better. Like last season, we had a three camera system that was as good as watching many of the ESPN college games. Mm-hmm. being able to go from camera to camera to camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could be just content to have one camera document the game, but that's not me. I wanted it to be as close to a professional ESPN broadcast as possible. Right. And with technology the way it is now, it's not out of reach. Right, right. And... Do you, for you personally, sort of standing there for that length of time to two hours, do, do you, does it ever get boring to you or you just enjoy watching sports and also enjoy just... For sports, it's because I enjoy watching sports. Yeah. I could see where if sports weren't your thing, it would be tedious pretty, pretty to tedious, film. Pretty yeah. And it, thinking back to what I said about goaltenders watching the puck... Filming a, any sport, if you're the camera operator and you're not paying attention, oh yeah, to you the, can't the take the ball, this news. 
you can't snooze because you just missed a goal. <laughs> and that is unforgivable. Yeah. And I mean, being off a play is one thing, but actually missing a goal or a penalty or or some big event in a game because you're not focused on the game. That's unforgivable. And how, I mean, do you, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's tough for the way I'm doing productions because we're not on, on, on head mics and headphones. If it's a professional game, there's a director yelling at you all the time what you should be looking at. Whereas for the way we're doing it, we're just kind of three yeah. people watching the game and, and a fourth person sitting there picking which shot is the most interesting for the viewer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that's it's you kind of have to be into the game. Yeah, you, you, it's not like a still shot camera where you're just wa- watching and for yeah, one shot. Yeah, and for you personally, I mean, obviously playing goalkeeper has definitely helped you with this skill of focusing and locking in on that one object for a length of time. And also to do these camera works, a lot of there's a lot of solo time, right? You mm-hmm. probably spend a lot of time by yourself, and and. Not only that, I mean, I feel like you, you, you are, um, you know, like a pretty like self-starter that you just sort of have your own, own truck and you just drive around doing going places. How do you sort of enjoy your solitude and the, the, the self-starting career in some sense that you are doing a lot of things by yourself? Um, I never think of it that way. Really? I, like I've, you're not incorrect. But I've never thought of it that way. I've always thought of it as getting the job done as best as I can. And there isn't a whole lot of time where I'm not thinking about the next yeah. project. And every, every, every sports event is a different situation. And uh, I'm never really been flabbergasted by multitasking five things at the same time, like live mm. streaming games on the road. Mm. It's like, you got to be watching the game. You got to be filming the game. You got to be watching the streaming signal. If it goes down, you're going to have to switch something around. So it comes back up and wow, sort of like nonstop for the whole game, which is kind of like playing goal was. Yeah, it's nonstop the whole game. You can't snooze. Hmm. There's no rest. There is no rest. There is no chill for goalkeepers, especially. I mean, the 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 the. <laughs> now that I think about it, <laughs> I I just find this so interesting to conversate with you today. It's just, I can draw a lot of connections. Like I'm a person of no chill too constantly there's always something and and i mean i do podcasting but also i do video i do uh, soccer obviously music mm-hmm. um i also do like uh i dj'd for the spring dance last time and just do a lot of different things and i think the no chill can maybe come from um goalkeeping that you are sort of fine with with this i don't know how it connects still but but it, it just does that i'm that because goalkeeper requires that to, to, to be good goalkeeper requires someone to be so unique of a personality 
to be able to handle all those different things, to handle mm -hmm. the mental aspect of the game, the physical aspect of the game, the different skill set that you need, the 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 solitude that that sometimes you have to embrace, that the challenge you have to go through, like all by yourself, sort of sometimes. And you, the one thing that you haven't mentioned is mm. you have to enjoy the, and the stress. Enjoy the stress, yes, exactly. Which for many is mm -hmm. counterintuitive. Not being able to stop, everything being go, 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 stress, stress, stress. You have to be able to enjoy that. And I can say I do enjoy that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I also enjoy when, say, a game's over and everything's worked fine and then I can relax. Yeah. But in the moment, you have to enjoy the high stress level. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love stress too. Now, now that I think about it, just enjoy those, you know, high, especially your know, breakaway situations or something like that. Like, you know, your team's on your line and you're the, all the pressure's on you. Ah, that gives me dopamine. And then make that save is like, yes. You know, I <laughs> love big pressure moments. Love those moments. And it's, it's the, the, the toughest moment of any season. Yeah. Is when the season's over. Oh, yeah. Because then it's, even if you win, even if you win it all, when the season's over, that whole stress thing is gone till, ne till the next season. But that's a really uncomfortable feeling for me. Always has been. Mm -hmm. Which maybe isn't as healthy as it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what it is. It right? sucks. After my season ended this year, I was so uh, I, I I dropped, slumped, but but yeah, I I got back up and now I realized, dude, the season never ends and I'm always in season and and it's, you know, people are like, bruh, we our, our season just finished two weeks ago. Why are you already hitting the gym? Yeah, because it it's, it never ends. Yeah. The grind never stops. Um, it's been very lovely talking to you today. Unfortunately, we're a little short on time. Yep, you've um, got something in two minutes. You got something Student in two minutes. Student schedule. <laughs> that's the that's the toughest part. I feel like we can talk. We have so much in common, Shane. And I just always appreciate you, and always appreciate like, for example, that one time or many times I should say after games, you know, you would be there to to, to help me out, talk me through things, like. In games and every, everything like it's just you, you're you're there and i just really appreciate it and and um with this episode with with podcasting i have uh sort of a final three for okay. you um so the first question is what are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living hmm. have fun be challenged enjoy stress and enjoy stress. <laughs> enjoy every situation, every success, every failure. Enjoy it. Love it. Second question. If there's one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? Hmm. Don't be so tough on yourself. True. True. That is very true. And also the go fish, you know, like don't, don't you know, just forget it sometimes. And then yep. learn. Last question. What do you think is your unique contribution to the bigger picture of the world and what is your why? Um, 
contribution is to encourage other people to enjoy the stress, live. <laughs> right. Don't be afraid to try anything. Yeah. Just do it. What do you think is your why? What is your purpose in life? Same thing. Same thing. To encourage others to just encourage others. Live and try everything try they can conceive. Right. And don't be like not maliciously, but you do try, try lots. You do, do try lots, lots of things. And it is very fascinating to hear to have this conversation with you today, not only about videoing, but also about goalkeeping. I feel like we could have talked for way way longer. I mean, if if forty eight minutes just seems so long, like, but no, it, it felt like like a few seconds. I mean, we we talk all the time, but um, Shane, thank you so much for coming today. You're very welcome. Really appreciate Janet. this, and for listeners, hope you all had a great time, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye bye. Bye.